and welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I am your host. My name is Chris Chafin. Hi, other hosts. Caleb Shively is my name. Uh, there's two hosts. We are doing it together. And you're listening to it. I love doing it together with you, Caleb. <laughs> um, every episode on Actually Best Choice Movies, we talk to you about two movies usually one of them is old, one of them is new. I mean, that's the case this week, too. I don't know why I said usually. I feel like sometimes it's not that old of a movie. Usually, yeah, have. within at least uh, a, a two-year, one-year, yeah, several one, months. Yeah, one or two years or yeah. several months. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and they're both good movies that share a sort of common theme. Um, so what what are the movies this week, Caleb? The movies this week are... Uh, uh, currently in theaters, uh, Petite Maman from Celine Sciamma. Uh, and then uh, we're doing a Kiarostami film, uh, Where's the Friend's House from 1987. Uh, yeah, it's great to talk about good movies. Uh, it, s- it really is. And let's fucking do it, dude. Why are we <laughs> wasting time? That's this week on Actually Best Choice Movies. 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 Um, but before we get to any of that, uh, so Caleb, this week we're talking about these two films, uh, Where is the Friend's House and Petite Mama. And uh, like you said, they're movies starring children. About, and I would say not just starring children, but like about the world of children. Yeah, yeah. Innately uh, about how uh, childhood ex- uh, exists and how it's a small part of our lives, but a very impactful part of our lives too. And uh, yeah, you could say they're more films for an adult audience that star kids. I think these two directors in general, uh, Celine Shyama and uh, Bas Kiarostami, are both uh, renowned directors, uh, auteur directors uh, who have multiple films working with children uh, as well. Uh, and uh, I think it's kind of a flex for a director to like consistently work with kids because kids are fucking hard in general. Uh, and like... I would maybe say it's kind of true for these films that you're not necessarily getting like groundbreaking, amazing performances from these young, unformed actors. But really, a director, a craftsman, is just using a tool at their disposal. And like it's these kids, and kids are just energy and raw emotion. They portray an innocence. It's an easy shortcut to unlock uh, feelings in a film. Yeah. Uh, but Especially build- if you are a parent, let me tell you what. Oh, Caleb, oh, like, I'm, oh, I'm going to sure, be yeah. like real annoying about that this episode, <laughs> I feel like, just because it's like something I'm thinking about a lot right now. Yeah, uh, but to build a film around a child's performance uh, and to, to have a child sustain a performance, too, is uh, kind of impressive. Uh, but, you know, I say like surrounding the uh, filmmaking surrounds a performance, uh, obviously uh, a, a, a character central to a film. Uh, so you send your character and you tap into that uh, child's mindset where kids are constantly learning and reacting and questioning. It's that innate curiosity that a child brings. And I think that's so uh, important for a film and like an, uh, as an audience member too, uh, like just because we're learning about the world of the film, we're reacting to the perspective of the film and we're also questioning what's going on in the film. So like kids are amazing audience surrogates too. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I can't imagine what it is for being a parent too, because uh, it's probably a, a, an extra level that uh, I don't have. 
uh, but I do have like a childlike wonder about me. So that's I mean, Caleb, kind of... you definitely do have a childlike wonder about you. I think it's actually amazing the way you've kept it alive. It's very beautiful. And uh, yeah, it's totally true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, right. The, these movies are, are and, and uh, you know, of course there are other, the, there are other examples of movies like this, but oh, sure, there, sure. Aren't, there aren't as many as you'd think, right? Because There is and there isn't. Yeah, I would say like, well, especially these two are like foreign language films as well, which is kind of uh, also interesting, which is, yeah, we don't even have to bring that up because like they're just good art films too. But yeah, like uh, even in American film wise, like Stand By Me, which is a little bit older, or like E.T. is about kids too, which is there's also an alien in there. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. E.T. Actually, E.T. is a great example of a movie like this. And I think that's what's so touching and universal mm-hmm. about it. You know, and of course, that's more of like an adventure movie. It's a movie actually for kids. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of ways, it's like, I mean, it's a scary movie. People always talk about how E.T. is a scary movie, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was scared of E.T. when I was a kid. I thought he looked creepy. <laughs> and it's all the stuff where E.T. almost dies and all the men and the, you know, with um in the crazy radiation suits or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um. So it's really interesting to watch both these movies as a, as a parent. And you were talking about how they're not giving like revolutionary performances, these kids, which is totally true. I mean, you're right about that. Yeah. It's but nothing think, against their performance. It's just no, like, it's no, yeah, <laughs> no. But what I was going to say is like, this is what they are doing is they're just completely naturally behaving like kids, mm-hmm. which is like what so much of acting is about trying to get to is trying to <laughs> behave like naturalistically and um, these kids are, I mean, has somebody who hangs out with little children like all the time, like from a huge part of my day. Like, <laughs> this is what fucking little kids are like. It's great. These directors have obviously created a very like safe and uh, supportive environment where these kids are able to like be themselves, you know? And yeah. it's it's amazing to watch. It's so genuine and it's so beautiful to watch the um, performances in these films. Oh, yeah. Uh, like normally a child in everyday life isn't making decisions so there is like there's a uh, an enchanting something enchanting about granting kids an autonomy in film like you're watching them find themselves as they like get to make decisions like and and like fuck it's it's the most like relatable thing of like learning how to do something and that's what uh, both these films do and like when you see a child on a film like who's like they usually like not have a parent around or like they're d- learning things on their own it's fucking awesome too and yeah, uh, I mean, direct. Like I said, like it's a, a flex for a director to do that. Like Scorsese has Hugo under his belt. Uh, Todd Haynes' uh, Wonder is is pretty yeah, cool. So the Dar- Hugo is not as good as either of these movies. No, yeah, I would, no, no knock on Hugo, which yeah. is a fine movie. It's it, it's definitely like a really good attempt by Martin Scorsese at making a like two thousands children adventure movie. Sure, it it really is, and it's uh, kind of underrated. It's also. Um, uh, one of the better 3D movies because it didn't like draw attention to 3D. It just like had 3D and like, uh, yeah, we don't get 3D. What a weird weird period of movie making, right? They're like, I guess it was like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings inspired this, these like whimsical adventure movies for children. The marketing of that very much was like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, like you're saying, everybody in the world that was a child at, at some point. Mm-hmm. And it's really <laughs> interesting to think of, you know, to just really think about childhood and to think about, you know, I mean, this is something I think about with, with Olive and with the other kids that I see all the time. You know, it's like, this is their childhood. Like, their childhood is happening right now, um, which is just so crazy to think that, because there's a tendency to think, like, childhood was something that happened to you and it happened in the past and you have to 
be in the past to be a child. But in fact, like it's happening all the time, constantly. Every every second of every day is the super momentous childhood of of someone, you know. And I think that's a really interesting way to like reorient yeah, wow. your perspective <laughs> on the world, you know. And these, both of these movies are great about that, about just finding you know current children and trying to show what it you know how they spend their time and what the fuck they're doing with themselves oh sure yeah shaping who they're going to be and how they're being shaped by the world (laughs) that we have made and that we we adults live in you know and we don't really think about how that's like impacting our children necessarily you know oh no we don't um we just literalize i think uh if i could reference other movies that i think are great um i think uh hercada karita uh frequently works with children in uh, most of his movies or has about parenting in general movies but um I'm a big fan of uh, his film Nobody Knows, which is about abandoned children trying to like navigate their whole situation, and it's the saddest thing ever. And I fucking love that movie so much. Um, and if I did have, oh, uh, uh, I recently rewatched uh, the Florida Project, uh, which uh, makes oh, me I mean, cry. That's every, a great example. Makes me cry yeah. every single time I see it. Uh, holy shit! Every time, um, yeah. Shout out Mooney. There, like that's like. Um, a both like you said a kid's being a real in a film but also that's like a fucking star making performance that little kid who hasn't been in that much otherwise but like really carries a, a vibe of a film yeah i mean spielberg frankly does it uh well yeah for sure uh yeah 400 blows uh f- fuck uh lynn ramsey's rat catcher is very good i mean wes anderson's uh has has one under but with the moonrise kingdom shit he did walkabout's great yeah kids are hard uh it's it's I don't know. That's when there's a good movie with starring kids. Like I'm a sucker, kind of sucker for it because like they're hard to like do. Like uh, Beast of Southern Wilds movie, I go back and forth on. I think it looks great and there's the cool stuff in it, but a little bit maybe too cloying and cute. Uh, and even uh, Petite Maman, I was like, oh, this could be very cute, but like it just always would go up to the cuteness to a certain part, and I kind of lo- which I kind of love that it didn't like overtly become. Cute. It was just inherently a cute movie. Yeah. Hey, I feel like we're doing it already. Let's just let's start talking <laughs> yeah. about it. You want to you, you want to start talking about it? Let's talk about Petite Maman. Je t'avais jamais vu avant. Tu m'as pas dit comment tu t'appelais, Lenny. Je suis chez ma grand-mère. Elle est morte la semaine dernière. J'aime bien faire des petites tines de chocolat et les manger. Every November and December, you know, the end of the year, uh, film critics start releasing their best of the year lists. And, you know, despite yourself, you can't help but read them. And, you know, because you want to see like, oh, did they like the movie I liked? Or is there some movie I haven't heard of that I ought to check out? But every year there's this thing. And I feel like this has been getting worse lately, which I guess is oh, yeah. something about the film business where like there are movies on the list that you have not been released and that it would be impossible for you to see. <laughs> and sometimes it's movies that are like they just come out like two weeks after all everybody releases their list. And like, that's not a big deal. But then there's movies that are like, like you, they don't come out forever. And if people are like rapturously talking about how they're the best movie ever made. Um, and so, and it's frustrating because you like literally could not have seen it if you did not attend the Berlin film festival. Do you know what I mean? Um, so last year that film was Petite Maman, which is the new uh, movie from director uh, Celine Siama. Uh, it's her follow-up to, you know, her widely acclaimed lesbian historical romance, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Uh, and this Petite Maman finally, finally, finally is in uh, limited release here in the United States. 
so it's another small scale study of connection and disaffection between women. <laughs> Though when I say small, Caleb, um, mm-hmm. the main characters are these two eight year old girls who have this kind of time traveling, uh, timey wimey friendship that's very <laughs> simple and uh, not overthought. I mean, talk about not overthought. It's just very, very simple. Um, so the film is small also in another way that I really, really appreciated, which is that it's only 72 minutes long, which is frankly amazing. And more movies should be that long. And in fact, more TV shows should only be 72 minutes. It's great. It just comes in, tells its story. And then the movie is over. Do you know what I mean? Like it, Mm -hmm. it felt fantastic. Um, it's a fantastic movie. I really enjoyed it. I thought it tells you about, you know, it tells you so much about how we live, and what it's like to be alive and and why we're doing it in the yeah. first place. Uh, and that's, it all is really, really touching. Um, I like this movie a lot. Caleb, how did you feel about it? Man, uh, so Celine Siama, let's start with her. Like she is one of the most important directors of the 21st century. Like, uh, I mean, uh, I've seen uh, Water Lilies and Girlhood. And if I can say if there's one thing about her films, it's, characters uh seeing uh and being seen uh like waterlays and girlhood are about uh teenage girls and girlhood specifically about uh black teenage girls in france uh like uh, overlooked thing and like wanting to be seen and then tomboy uh which is another movie she did with uh an all child cast is uh phenomenal uh i think that's on criterion worth checking out and then we all like i saw those movies like oh she's a good director and i didn't think of a thing and then I think for everyone solidified after seeing Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is an amazing film. We covered it on our podcasts here as well. Uh, so, yeah, like, I'm glad that you put this in your intro that we were all waiting to see Petite Maman. Uh, it was such a I, thing. Everybody I, was talking about it. It I was on like every year end list. And I not know. just that. Film critics were like tweeting all the time about how it was so fantastic. Yeah. You know, some of my favorite critics were like had it in like the top three. I was like. Why can't I see this? I remember I, I purchased Mubi thinking it would be on Mubi, but it was just in Mubi in England. So like, God damn it. I, <laughs> it's just so fucked, dude, right? <laughs> I just really want to see it. So like I saw it as soon as I could. Uh, it's uh, playing here in New York, playing at BAM. Uh, but yeah. As, so, I, as I said, wait, can I just say, as I said to you at the time that you went to see it, you saw it before many professional film critics <laughs> yeah. that I follow who did not, who, you know, who weren't at the Berlin Film Festival or whatever. Oh yeah. It was at uh, TIFF 2021 too as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with Patima Mom, it's about, like I was saying, it's like characters seeing and wanting to be seen themselves. And with Patima Mom, it's about wanting to know more about your family members, uh, specifically what your parents were like at your age. Uh, I do remember having that feeling. And then there's, like I said, like being seen too, and like you, them, you wanting to, them to know you as well. And the plot is like their, their grandmother, her grandmother passes away and, her mom takes her to uh, the childhood home. Uh, so like she gets to like see her mom as a kid and like all her room and she's asking all these questions. And yeah, it just doesn't well, stray too far from like this friendship by means of per- parental relationships and it even touches on generational trauma a lot too. Yeah, I kind of love this film very much. Go it's ahead. It's fantastic. I mean, so we're, we're kind of not spoiling it or we, or we kind yeah, of... Yeah, I mean... It. I mean, it's not much. It's not really. If much you of a see spoil. the preview and uh, then translate the title for yourself, <laughs> yeah, it's a little. Yeah. It should be there, but it is. Uh, I mean, we're we're gonna tap around it. I guess is what we're gonna do. Yeah, ourselves. we're gonna we're gonna from this point. I well, just to talk about it a little bit because you you just kind of have to. 
um, the plot is it, you know, we open on this, uh, an empty room at a nursing home, you know, and the, a mother and, and a young daughter are like collecting some things and leaving. Right. Um, so I will say embarrassingly when I, the first, as I was first watching this, I was like, oh, they own a nursing home because <laughs> she's like <laughs> the little girl is going into every room saying goodbye to everybody. And the mom seems to be like cleaning up somebody's room. And I'm like, oh, like either they work here or they like own this nursing home somehow. I don't know how these things work in France. Um, but no, it's like the grandmother has died. And then they go back to her house and they're cleaning it out. And this, it's a French movie and the mom is already depressed. She's very depressed. Although there is a really good scene very near the beginning where she's, the mother's driving a car and it's a close up on her face. And the daughter is like putting French fries and oh, yeah. like a, a juice box like very up cute. to her all the time. And then it's, the mother has been just looking like really wrecked, depressed, and it starts happening and she's smiling softly to herself. And it's so beautiful. I love that scene. And also because that is a real thing that my daughter does also. <laughs> it's like, it just makes them happy, you know, to do things for you sometimes. It's really adorable. And it's because they are there with you and they identify with you and they love you, you know. And it's really sweet when they want to do something just, just to make you happy, you know. It's very sweet. And, and, and it kind of gets kind of gets into her head of being like that she just wants to like love her mom which is yeah again very fucking sweet and also just like understand like the grief of like what her mom's going through through uh and that gets a little complicated and uh when i say little it's because like uh as they're at this uh her mom's child at home uh she yes she goes and plays and meets a friend but as she meets this friend too her mom disappears uh, and if that isn't a hint to uh, what uh, Petite Mamam, the title, refers to uh, as these two young friends get to know each other, uh, I don't know, we should fucking spoil it because it's called Petite Mamam, which translates to little mother. <laughs> I'm so, just outright saying and it. And let's say, yeah, there's a, there's a time traveling friendship between this eight year old girl and another little eight year old girl. Um, and it's, I mean, yeah, we just we should spoil it because it's like, I mean, unless we're going to stop not, talking yeah. about it right now, uh, it's her mom. It's her mom. It's an eight year old yeah. version of her mom. And then it's like, it's really interesting because they're staying, the little girl in the present is staying in her grandmother's house. And her mother is of course growing up in her mother's yeah. house, but they're kind of separated by this like path through the woods. And that's, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, and it's just really interesting because they're in the same space, but it's like mm-hmm. they're being you know, activated differently. And there's, um, you know, that makes some of the cuts really interesting because they'll play with which version of the house they're in. And, and every time they walk in a room, you're kind of, you kind of know which version of the, of it they're in, but also you're, they might change it on you at at any second. And that, that I thought Uh, was really fun and kind of like kept you on your toes as a, as a viewer and and was interesting because sometimes it seemed like maybe it was just, she was just imagining this stuff. Like sometimes it seemed like that, you know? Oh yeah. It's the surreal elements kind of grounded the st- that story too uh, of like these two friendships and like it just grounded uh, that the themes of uh, knowing your mom and like seeing your mom as a kid. But yeah, like what you're saying with the house uh, and the way they shoot it and stuff, like that's, a, that's, as, that's as most as they explicitly state it. Like they never come out and just say like, oh, what this is what it is. Um, uh, no, they just like have hints around it. Like maybe a kid will like, the, uh, the girl's name is Nellie, will just like look and pause at it. And you could tell, like, she's thinking about it and that she even realizes it herself of what's going on. Uh, but you never fully grasp Nellie's thought process other than that she wants to enjoy her time with her friend, which is 
again the fucking sweetest thing in the world um it's so cute yeah and they're just like playing a little game together and laughing and they're and i will say this got me too because they're both for each other they're both only children and um they both don't have anyone to play with there's even there's a great scene where the present day little girl finds a toy in the in the closet that's old and asks her dad about it and he's telling her oh it's like a paddle ball you hit it which by the way i had never seen a paddle ball like this <laughs> in my life had you ever seen anything like this Caleb? no it was um yeah uh, uh when you hit like ping pong or like a baseball almost yeah it was like so you think of paddle ball like it's like a the ball is attached to the paddle paddle. it was like attached to cord yeah right no but it was attached (laughs) to a giant like wooden block that sat on the ground and you had to like smack it it was really cool but anyway when she's doing when she's asking her dad's telling her about it and she goes a game for one and he's like (laughs) perfect (laughs) and you're like that's great that's really funny but um I mean, yeah, I I wasn't an only child, but I kind of was an only child because my siblings only came around like every so often, you know, uh, but on the vast stretch of like day to day time, I was on my own <laughs> and I'm, you know, we're not necessarily planning to have another kid, uh, Catherine and I. So like, sometimes I do think like, am I, am I being irresponsible to have an only child because they both do seem so lonely, you know? <laughs> so, and I remember being lonely, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, uh, you're lonely as a kid sometimes it's uh no one wants to play with you and tv only goes so far it's true uh, but, but it is interesting friend, so yeah. much of the experience of being a child is being alone right and being lonely and having people just want you to amuse yourself but being yeah. like having no idea how to amuse yourself yeah uh, those are lonely it's like a very intense moment when you're alone as a kid just because like you're so used to like being taken care of as a baby and like it's just a, a very transitional thing like it does those, those moments stick out when you're alone with your own thoughts you have to Terrible. learn to be comfortable with your own thoughts it's a true life skill <laughs> wouldn't 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 wish it on anybody terrible <laughs> thing to have happen but i mean they're just both and they're just both from the point of view of and and of of the children and taking the concerns of the children extremely seriously you know not trivializing anything that's happening to the kids mm-hmm. but also i thought really it does a good job of not like aggrandizing it necessarily not making like there's there's a tendency when you're telling a story this kind of dramatic story with children to make it like almost too too dramatic like everything is extremely important and melodramatic but this movie is very it's just kind of matter of fact you know yeah Um, like i i think i said earlier that it was like a very cute movie and it is like because like they're all like loving and friendship and then like there's nothing really like super scary that happens or if anything, it's just like sometimes you get to be like, oh, what are they going to do next? It's just, I don't know. It's like kind of like Winnie the Pooh fucking playing with Christopher Robin shit. Uh, it's just very sweet. And like it could have been like the cloying thing about if they did like more explicitly say like, oh, it's it's your mom and we're having a good time because like we're the same people. Uh, but no, uh, they just keep having doing their kid stuff. And uh, they meet like there is like some parts where like they meet uh she meets her great uh the mother which is her grandmother or like she meets her uh the dad where it which is her future husband um <laughs> uh, a thing that we get to know the audience like oh this is fucking weird so in like that like weird it's not really sci play the sci-fi it's more like folklore in a way uh, i would say in that way it's like a poetic version of back to the future where it's like concerning coming to terms with a younger version of your uh, mother's trauma in a way. Uh, yeah, and there's like a weird uh, 
if it's a science fiction, there is like a weird logic to it where like it comes full circle, which is, you know, just good writing. But like I said, it doesn't like over grandize. It just wants to keep it in this like very small wheelhouse and uh, probably why it's only 72 minutes too, if they don't want to like, <laughs> yeah, this is fine. We're doing good. And there's, it's not like a fast movie. They're not like taking shortcuts or anything. It's pretty slow moving too in general, which is great. It is. Well, it's again, <laughs> it's because it's about the world of children, Caleb. It's very yeah. slow moving. You know, you know, this thing they tell you about parenthood is the hours are long, but the days are short, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's what it's like being a child, I guess. Right. It's like just every second you're like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? And they do do some cute, stuff like they do up they have a they perform a play together which yeah, it's unclear perform. to me if it's written like if it's an existing play or if they have written it i think they wrote it yeah which is very sweet and then very she gets to find sweet. out her mom wanted to be an actor at one point but it's very very cute <laughs> oh my god it's so cute so well done and it's just like they hang out for like two days and then they spend the night together one time and then that is the end of the movie <laughs> you know and they get to be sad and like be kids uh yeah uh I mean, she just, Celine Sion just handles this well, this wellspring of uh, specific emotions. Like, like we're saying, uh, like, you want to know your parents and there's a very specificity to like, like we spend our lives trying to understand our parents and also be understood by our parents. And to find like this, like specific through line uh, with this story too. Ah, and just to do it with like kids in general, like I was reading about like how she even like like uh two twin the twins, these two young actresses in it. Uh, so it's great that they look alike. And then it's just uh, They do a lot look of, like sometimes I was like, is it the same actress? And it's then twin, I, yeah, they're twins, yeah. Oh, they are, uh, they're twins. Yeah, they're twins. And uh they just like the haircuts and then like even just like the, the uh how the costuming was it's, like not timely like it could like oh what i could be modern day too that's kind of great but yeah she like keeps just a very like kid-friendly set she just kept kept it being like oh i'm not gonna give them specific emotions i'm not gonna tell them to be sad right now i'm just gonna tell them what's going on and have them react to a scene <laughs> like i'm not giving them like oh hey that's you have to be great. sad right now you're just like here's what it is i mean Which kids are i think kids, kids are natural actors in, in a lot of ways i mean sure. they don't really know what is going on and they're just doing their best to pretend that they do all the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my daughter even will do stuff like she'll say like, I'm angry and like make a silly face. And then she'll go like, I am happy. <laughs> and then like smile or, and she's always doing stuff too. Like she'll point at the two of us and she'll say like, mommy, happy, mommy, be happy, mommy talk. And it's like, they're very aware in this certain level of like, I don't know how artificial everything is and that you sure. can just like do whatever oh, yeah. at, at any moment. They see um, through, they see through bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It, it was a really, <laughs> it was a really touching movie. I thought it was very well done. Although I have to say, I do think that compared to the movie we're going to talk about in a few minutes, I thought it, it was a little, it had a lot of artifice after watching the, after watching the other movie that we're going to talk about. I thought this movie seemed, you know, it's more of like a fairy tale. It's more of a modern movie. It is, it is actors performing a story (laughs) and that is what's happening in our, in our next movie. But I, I felt like it was a little like, it felt more real and more vital. Whereas this felt more like a, a story that someone is telling you. Oh yeah. This is a, yeah. Talk about a good uh, director talking his tricks for kids. I'll get into that too. But this is uh, Abbas Kurstomi's uh, Where is the Friend's House? 
Abbas Kiarostomi's first international hit and first film in the Coker trilogy, Where is the Friend's House, tells the very simple story of grade school boy Ahmad accidentally taking his friend's notebook and the means he goes to return it. Uh, that friend, Mohamed Reza, is on the brink of being expelled, so if that notebook doesn't turn up, our young protagonist Ahmad will have to reckon with an even stronger sense of guilt. Uh, part meditation on our moral t- choices, part exploration of the infallibility of childhood, and mostly a philosophizing poetic film using Iran's countryside to show how ordinary people live their lives. The film boldly asks more questions than it has answers. This is a film about discovering a world, even if that world is within running distance from your own. And this is also a film about knowing what is in your own world, even if you don't understand its purpose. Uh, Kirostomi, for me, is a Mount Rushmore director, and he is roundly cited as a favorite amongst uh, many filmmakers. Uh, Whereas the Friend's House is a great foray into... Is extensive filmography. If you're going to start somewhere, this is a great place to start for uh, Abbas. Uh, Chris, where is the friend's house? Where is the friend's house? Good question, Caleb. Um, and it's left. We don't actually locate yes, the friend's house. Spoiler alert. <laughs> we do not find the friend's house in this movie. So we don't, I don't know where it is. Somewhere in the village of, uh, what's the name of the village? Uh, po- Potesh. 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 Yeah. yeah. And so actually, Caleb, you know, it's funny that we should talk about whether these are two movies about children and our relationship with our parents and our relationship with childhood. Because in fact, I watched this movie with with my own mother during her recent visit to uh, New York. Oh, wow. And it reminded me of uh, the one of the reasons I like movies is that my mom likes movies. And I felt <laughs> totally comfortable putting uh-huh. on Where is the Friend's House to watch with her. And in fact, she watched it, I will... I will say with more interest than me because I fell asleep <laughs> for a couple of minutes here and there because it was late at night and I'm the parent of a toddler. I was very tired, but my mom stays up late all the time and she loves movies and she was completely enraptured by, by this movie. And it was really interesting to think like, Oh yeah, this is, a, you know, this is how I used to spend my life was like, I sat <laughs> on the couch with my mom and we watched movies until like it got really late at night. That's, that's why I'm doing this right now. That's why I like movies is because of that. Um, but it, it's a really interesting film. I hadn't seen it before. I had, of course, heard of his movie, although I also haven't seen his movie, uh, uh, A Taste of Cherry, which is like oh, yeah. the most Amazing. famous Iranian film of all time. Like I remember growing up with that being like the example of what foreign film is and should be. You know, yeah, it was a Palme d'Or winner. Yeah. Amazing film. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I had I don't think I've seen any of his films. So I was very excited oh, yeah. to, to, to watch this movie. Yeah. I mean, uh Congratulations. He is a, a, a fucking guy to get into. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll just run through my Kirishami spiel so, so real quick. Yeah, he was uh, in the 70s, uh, part of the uh, new wave of Iran filmmakers. And then, you know, the Ayatollah took over and he kind of like played within that so he could keep making films and did like a lot of like educational things and documentaries uh, in the early 80s. And then like, even whereas The Friends Home, which is 1987, is like kind of like a uh, movie for kids about like, uh, like you could show this to a child and be like, okay, here's uh, how you get around or here's how you ask for help or something. But then, you know, like, so this is a part of a trilogy that more that he, film critics have said, right. uh, called it, the Coker trilogy. Because it, it wasn't his, in Coker. Yeah. It wasn't he his idea it was a, to make it a trilogy. It's just like movies he, about somewhere yeah. that he cares about, you know, but, but the second movie explicitly is very much related to, 
uh, where's the friend's house? Uh, it's called Life and Nothing More, which was in 1992, five years later. There was an earthquake in around 90 in Iran. And Life and Nothing More is uh, trying to find the kids in this movie just to check up on them. And it's kind of fictionalized, but it's also like a true thing he's trying to do. Uh, and that's his whole spiel is like blurring fiction and uh, the, the uh, what what's real and uh, then through the olive tree, which is the the third and final film of the Coker trilogy, is like fucking heady and about about uh, the morals of suicide too. And I fucking love that movie. Oh um, but yeah, close up is the big one too. Uh, I would recommend that to for for a Kurosami starting place as well. Uh, also, a big fan of uh, Certified Copy, which uh, Julie Binoche is in. And, yeah, I uh, love Kirstami films. I haven't seen all all of them because uh, luckily there are a ton to go through. Uh, but yeah, get back myself on track of uh, where is the friend's house? Uh, yeah, it's such a good, like I said, it's so as a kid and there's like not really a lot of adults in it. But when there is, it's like, you know, they're in charge. They're, they're the adults. They're, they're, uh, they're the ones they get to tell you what to do. Uh, and kids are always well told to do and like they kind of lack control of their circumstances. And there is a protagonist of young Ahmad here trying to like do the right thing. And it's weirdly, it's weird that this is a hero's journey film of like this kid just returning a notebook. Try, Cause it's the right thing to do. He's trying so hard to return this notebook and there's, nobody, nobody is fucking helping him. There's a long scene of him just trying to convince his mom, like I need to do this. And she's like, no, do your homework. Uh, well, this is like, what's great, I think, about the movie is um, in this scene you're talking about and uh, and several others, um, it has this great way of depicting like you're seeing the way adults interact with children from the point of view of of the children in this great way, you know, where they're kind of distracted and they're contradicting themselves and they're not really listening very well mm-hmm. and they're just trying to make you do like what they think it is they sh- are supposed to make you do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really interesting in the scene with the mom to watch her because at first she's not listening to what he's saying, and he's saying, I need to take this notebook back. And she's going, no, no, do your homework, do your homework. You can play later. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to play. I have to return this notebook. And she's like, well, I told you to do your homework. And it's like, right then it's over. Because it's like, she has, she knows that do your homework is a good thing she should tell him to do. But also it's like, that wasn't the right, it has nothing to do with what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. But like, it, but it's like, it's, it's this dynamic. It's like with a police officer, it's like, she has to control the situation and she has to tell him what to do and he has to do it. And she can't, she can't listen to him. She can't understand what he's trying to tell her. She can't like reverse herself. It just becomes this, this exchange where she's like, do what I told you to do. Go stop, stop, stop talking back to me. Go do what I told you. But it's, but it's, you know, it's played so well and so intelligently and so realistically. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were talking about merging. It's so realistically, yeah. Like blurring the line between reality and, and fiction. Like this movie is, it's just so well, it's so well acted, but in a way not that well acted, like you were saying, where it's just like, it just seems like real people acting like real people, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I said before in my uh, introduction, like you're just surrounding kids, supporting these kids' performances with like the actual movie itself. And like, uh, there is a lot of beautiful countryside, not even necessarily even beautiful, but just real countryside. There is some beautiful countryside though. Uh, well, like I that like when he's running up the hill. Uh, oh yeah, so zigzags cool. the path. And just the even villages just, like, that they live in The villages are so, are so real, yeah, yeah. Um, they're all this kind of like white plaster, like almost like you would picture like Portugal being like, but it's for like, sure. Is, is that, I guess that's what it was like in Iran. It's very, time. yeah. Very labyrinth. Like, uh, there are actual several things in this, in, 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 uh, where the friend's house that reminded me of labyrinth. Uh, one <laughs> oh, is that, uh, 
he went and he first goes to this uh area he like runs into the first person he asks is you just see him it's a, just a giant ball of twigs or like a giant bunch of branches that someone's carrying you don't see actually see the person it's just like this weird mound that he's talking to <laughs> and it's just like a weird jim hensony character <laughs> of just like what is going on it's like that a surreal moment that the guy then turns around and sits down and lights a cigarette <laughs> um, but yeah just like all these like weird stuff and like i said like there is paths he's falling to or like even like when he finds out he has no idea where he's going he's just trying to track down uh Muhammad Reza the whole Muhammad time. Muhammad Reza in this village. And he just and, like asks people and they're like giving him like half directions. And that's the structure of the film was <laughs> like these half things he's telling us like, uh, oh yeah, go by a blue door and it's by a bridge past the water. I know when they're telling him things like that. And I'm thinking like, I'm just thinking like, oh my God, this fucking kid is never going to, it was like giving yeah. me a panic attack. I'm like, this is so, but the kid just goes like, okay, thanks. And then he goes off and tries to find the blue door. Nowhere else to go through. Like he ran through the woods, through the magical woods to get to this new, new world that he's at. And it's scary and frightening. And, uh, <laughs> he sees brown pants that are familiar and has like, oh, but that, that's the clue. And that's him. Those are those are his pants. He tries using sure. his logic, but he, like your logic can only get you so far. Um, yeah, it's like yeah, like yeah, Dorothy in the in Oz or uh, Jennifer Connelly in Labyrinth, like a kid in an unfamiliar territory just trying to navigate the world. <laughs> it's so interesting, right? And it's just like. But it's and, real. It's and, real. and the only people he really can have good interactions with are old people because that's just like a common thing, right? This is like yeah. Grandpa and Maggie Simpson talk to each other because it's like everybody ignores us. Nobody's paying attention to us. And there are several scenes where he's having like really interesting like peer-to-peer conversations oh, yeah, with yeah, very yeah. old men, you know? Yeah. Which I thought was really great and well done um, <laughs> because it's just like, again, I think that's like kind of true to life. And it's, I mean, and sometimes like the, like the guy who is, I guess his actual grandfather doesn't know what the hell is going on. Oh, and yeah. is again, not listening to him, but is at least talking to him. Like he's a grown up, you know, it's, <laughs> it's also like, like you're saying, like, he's also like his life's past him, but he's an adult, but he, they do give the grandpa a long uh, leash of a, of a scene where he just talks about like uh, kids these days, but also like, I don't know. It's kind of smart too. Cause he's not wrong. Uh, I wish I remembered the specific thing, but there's like another guy, old guy he's talking to. Uh, and he goes like, why is that? Why? Like, and he talks about like how, uh, like you did things right the first time, like you did it right the first time. And that was my generation. <laughs> In my generation, we did it. We had to be asked once and we did it once. <laughs> oh my God. I know it's so ridiculous. He's like, you're talking back to me. I mean, it was very interesting though, to think of it as being an, an, an Iranian film. Um, just based on what I know about society from the um, other Iranian films that mm-hmm. we've done on the podcast, which is a lot lately, I feel like. I mean, I guess sure, sure, yeah. other one. Um, but we haven't done um, a Panafi film yet. <laughs> the it was interesting how um, legalistic some of the arguments were that people had with each other. It sure. seems like that must be a big feature of Iranian society: these kind of like intellectual legalistic arguments between you know people who don't know each other very well about why they have to do yeah. what they're supposed to, what they're being told to do. It's what they grasp onto for the law, but then like the cracks within the law is wor- very much worth exploring, especially in all societies is like, why is this a law or why did this yeah. come to be? Because well, a lot of times they're proceeding from um, assumptions that are wrong. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like mm-hmm. their, re- their logic and reasoning is sound, but they're, you know, their priors, their underlying facts are like completely bonkers oh, incorrect. That's- as uh, as people who are living in 
America in 2022. Sure, killing babies is wrong. What are your facts here, buddy? Yeah. So uh, we're not going to go into that right now. But yeah, yeah it's something fair. it's too like to, to always question like the world, the country and your surroundings and to be active. It's always uh, a, a lot nice lesson to. <laughs> but this movie, right. It's like a, it, it's, it's definitely like, I mean, I think I say this on the show sometimes, but if, if one of the purposes of cinema is to like create a universal human experience and to like show us the ways that we're connected and, and similar while at the same time, exposing us to people who are living like radically different lives than, you know, maybe you or I are, are living. I think this is in that sense, one of the best films you could possibly hope to see because it just does so uh, skillfully put you in the shoes of and make you emotionally identify mm-hmm. with somebody who is in a, in a landscape in a society and in a time in his life, right. Where like, I don't connect with that at all. You know, like mm-hmm. none of that is what I, what I have, have am living through right now. But at the same time, I, I, I identified so deeply with this. Main oh, character. good Lord. Yeah. Uh, and it's, a, uh, like I said, uh, we praised uh, the efficiency of uh, Padima mom. This film is also, I think uh, around, uh, around 83 minutes too. So it's also a fairly short film. Uh, yeah. It even starts off like right away, like bang, uh, like the scariest character, this teacher comes in, like they're, they're kids. Awful. Having fun in the classroom, the teacher's late, uh, comes in and just shuts shit down and is so angry. And uh, yeah, this one kid, the kid who ends up uh, losing the notebook that he has to return, uh, is crying because like he knows he's in shit. What I read for of that, what happened, how they got him to cry was that he told him the teacher, uh, this guy's gonna come in and doesn't want to see uh, any pictures uh, in in your notebook. And the kid knew he had a picture in his notebook, oh, and so it was no. like he knew the whole time that it's like he's oh, gonna get, he's gonna get oh, fun. That's so sad. <laughs> I don't know. They really, it was like a, um, it was like a The Shining situation where <laughs> they were actually being mean to this kid in order to get uh, him yeah. to cry. Like, I was gonna bring up The Shining earlier, but because uh, I do think like uh, that's an amazing child performance, and again, like uh, specifically to The Shining is not a good performance from this kid actor, but like used like Kubrick used this kid so well uh, and that kid Danny is the hero of that movie like you always forget like it's Jack Nicholson's the star of the movie but like Danny's the like, protagonist like they give him a lot they build up his character throughout the entire movie <laughs> I like him in The Shining that is um, pretty I mean it's a good movie Caleb I don't think you're going out on a limb saying you like The Shining I think a lot yeah. of people like The Shining uh, yeah I, 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 I fucking love The Shining um, but yeah there's like a lot of great kid stuff or not great but just like true I don't know just I don't know. There's a kid who's like laying down under the table and says his back hurts and that's why he didn't do his homework. Uh, and then like later on in the film, uh, we see him carrying like like this giant container of milk for his dad. So <laughs> like, yeah, of course, like all these kids have to like do shit too. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I thought it also was a, a good illustration of how like when you remember your own childhood, like it is legitimately possible some things were weird. Like we and it's like your parents are just kind of making you do stuff, but like, oh yeah, it they're acting like it's normal because they're telling you to do it, but like they might have been wrong, and that thing <laughs> they having you do might have been weird. And I was definitely some instances of that where the parents are like fucking off their rockers, and I'm not really thinking of a good example right now. But I mean, you were talking about the teacher before, and this is one of the things I really liked. It was um, they were talking about like people contradicting themselves. He, the, the first scene is like a tour de force that it sets up the whole movie because the teacher comes in late and he's he says to them, 
what i'm i'm five minutes i'm 10 minutes late and uh <laughs> you guys are all acting crazy you get me in trouble come on sit down what's wrong with you why aren't you all sitting down and then like he's yelling at them for a minute or two and then a kid comes in and he's like what are you doing why are you late you can't be late you have to be on time <laughs> and it's like oh yeah it's great it's great because that is exactly the kind of the shit kids have to deal with all the time. Somebody like blatantly contradicting themselves and being hypocritical to them, but making <laughs> them feel so bad at the same time. Yeah. Because you uh, care what other people, you care what the big people think of you. You know what I mean? Like it's all, you know, in the world is these people. Yeah. Uh, it's true. And like, that's what you look to for a structure or um, to even take care of things that you aren't able to take care of. Like that's, uh, that's the world in general. Like you're, you're still a fucking kid. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, uh, dude. Yeah. And I think that this film taps on this being like, yeah, you're a kid and you can only do so much. And maybe this, uh, our, our young friend here, Ahmed, uh, goes to his limits of finding to do. Cause this kid fucking runs a ton in this movie. <laughs> oh my God. He does. He runs over the hill. He runs back over the hill. He runs all mm-hmm. around the city. He this runs all around the other village. I mean, this is one of the things I thought was cute too, is like, when he's saying he wants to go see his friend in the other village, his mom is like all the way over there. Come on. And then they're also talking. They're like at school, they're like, Oh, well, if you came from that far away. Okay. Okay. But then like he does go there and it's literally just over the hill. Like it's yeah. like very, very close. I thought that was really cute. And and not, it's not commented on in the movie, you know? Yeah. And, no, yeah. I mean, I guess it's far, but you know, it was, I, I thought that was really great. <laughs> that, that was really great. Yeah, probably like a half mile, <laughs> if anything. Maybe, maybe, maybe. There was like a bunch of, uh, I guess it's like all like build up villages and there's like neighborhoods within the village too. Uh, but it wasn't the one without the school. So that's where they oh, go to the school and, and um, uh, co-care. Caleb, do you want to do the, do you want to talk about the end of these? Ooh, I do. This is a tough one. Um, but Let's yeah, say go, you had me, to pick one of up. these two movies or you would never get to see your loving parents again, Caleb. Ay, 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 You'd be in so much trouble. Ooh. Oh, mummy. Oh, daddy. So, yeah, this is where uh, you sometimes hate like ranking films. It's the nature of – it's a great way to like think about film in general, but ranking things in general kind of sucks because films are great and – well, there was that great Ethan Hawk clip from this week, right, Caleb? About well, exactly this topic, oh, yeah. and I was to, thinking to even, about our show. To even think of uh, 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 like the the big movie in the world right now is a Doctor Strange movie from a director I love, Sam Raimi. Uh, but still, like, I'm so happy that we get to do two quiet foreign language films starring children we'll never hear of again, <laughs> uh, instead of uh, a movie where. Ooh, I don't want to spoil. I was going to say something spoily. I don't want to do that to everyone. Uh, but yeah, that's a, a big ass movie, and they're great. And Marvel, like I said, is a genre in itself. So you could have a good movie within genres, and that gets to exist. But you know, to get back on track of Petite Mom and We're the Friends House, <laughs> uh, I love both. I think maybe there is a nature of the time and storytelling uh, that Petite Mom uh, is has to be forward and maybe in a couple of years be like, Oh wow, that was very uh, forward thinking for how uh, weird and sci-fi it was without doing anything sci-fi or doing anything super weird other than uh, just the script. Uh, and it's, uh, I think, like I said, Celine Siama is one of our most important filmmakers going forward. Uh, everything where she's going forward is going to be uh an event. Uh, that being said, I'm picking Where is the Friend's House, a movie that is so simple. Uh, I was so stoked we uh, we uh, uh, when you agreed to watch it. I love uh, Abbas, but 
it's a film that aims to promote morality and to care for one another. And it doesn't messy, messy that sentiment up. If it does, it's with uh, like how hard that can be to do uh, in the face of people telling what to do or like things in the world you can't control or people in the world you can't control. But it's the message is really just to do the right thing <laughs> and to make a, that good, that realistic, that uh, really entertaining uh, of a film uh, like the most low stakes action ever. He's returning a notebook. He's returning uh, a notebook, but it's life or death. Like, yeah. And it's, and it's funny because that is one of the problems of, that he's facing in, in narratively in the movie is he can't communicate to anybody how important this mm-hmm. is. Even though we, the audience, no. know it's fucking life <laughs> or death. It's very important, you know? And even like the ending is like maybe not what you as expect to, or. You, Maybe I don't know, but like it's not uh, as wonderfully clear cut as uh, even a Doctor Strange Marvel movie would be. It's a just a fucking great film. Very uh, sweet. And the movie ends perfectly, and this yeah. extremely sweet note that's very understated, and just mm-hmm. it's almost like the kind of thing where it's like, like isn't it like at the end of the Avengers that they're like, oh, if we save the world, like nobody should know we did it, or like nobody's ever gonna know that we just saved the world, you know? Just like, <laughs> yeah, dude, and they just go on with their lives, you know. Nobody, no, really even knows what's happened except the, the two of them, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also Avengers, agree, Caleb. Yeah. I agree. I think Petit Maman. It, I mean, again, you're right. So, like I was saying, there's this violent Ethan Hawke clip this week where he's saying like movies don't need to be in competition against each other. They're just like, it's, there are good films and there are, you know, different kinds of films that you could just be able to enjoy a, a good film basically. Right. Yeah. He says the word absorb film, which is like, yeah, great. I, th- I think that I, I, I always try to like not compare, but like it's the nature of talking about film. It's how, how easy it is, is just a good shortcut to when you do this, which but yeah. Better, quote <laughs> um, so they're very different. Like, I think, you know, if you have the opportunity to see, Petit Maman, you definitely should, and it's very mm-hmm. current. It's you know, it's a movie that like, as a you know, a consumer of film and TV right now, you you can key into and understand what's what's happening, you know, and it's it's in the current day film language, you know, which there's something to be said for, right? And mm-hmm. I do think it's like very very well acted, and it's the art direction is amazing, and the the cinematography is great. Like the way they frame a lot of the shots is really interesting and very well done. Um, but right, that said, I mean. What an achievement, uh, whereas the friend's house is. I mean, just what an amazing, amazing movie. And you can tell right from the beginning that it's just like, it's just going to be a very successful and moving film that takes the concerns of its character, its central character, like extremely seriously and is trying so hard to show you his point of view on on the world, which is is ideally what any film is doing. And and, Mm -hmm. and it's very challenging. And especially when your main character is a, a child, it's, it's extra challenging. And especially when as a viewer, you don't, speak the language you're not from the world of this child it becomes even harder but um it's there's something universal about it and it's it's so well it's so well done and you know there's even a way there's a universe where like so this movie is from like 1987 is is, yes yeah so there's there's independent foreign films from this period in history that are like they're almost hard to watch because of how how you know they're extremely extremely cinema verite you know it's like watching the bicycle thief in 1950 you know it's just like you're like okay yeah this is just what the world is like and but it's like this movie is it is filmic and it is a film and it is put together like a film and it it's 
great, even as it is real life on the street as it's happening, you know? Uh, it's just it's just an amazing an amazing amazing piece of filmmaking and I definitely recommend it and I it's mm-hmm. also my choice. Yeah, uh, like I said, it, I would say it's uh, of all the Kurosami movies, I think it's his more most straightforward too, which is not a bad thing at all. I mean, this movie's amazing, uh, but yeah, and then you could see like what I mean if you see like Taste of Cherry and Through the Olive Olive Trees, uh, they get a little like headier and the most. Like he he did, like I love we always talk about how I love meta films, uh, and he just does that better than like how anyone could do. He makes it so matter of factly and uh, just puts the work up on the screen. And yeah, uh, it's great. Love it's- giving love to Abbas here. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic, um, Caleb. Again, an inspired choice by you. Uh, thank you so much. Like what a great oh, oh, time oh, it yeah, was watching oh, this. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm glad your mom watched it. That's very sweet. It was great. Yeah, she liked it. She liked it a lot. You know, she thought it, she thought it was interesting. Um, but yeah, this is great. Thank you so much, man. Good night. Yep. Goodbye. Yep. Bye, everybody. Thanks. You know, as however long it takes is how long it takes. Do you know what I mean? I sometimes I it, like we never need to stretch. Like I feel like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I feel like we're good at just having a good conversation about. Yeah, things. yeah, yeah. It's usually clocks in around forty to an hour. Yeah, forty to an hour is great.